there is a movement sweeping across the land where fascination, understanding, transformation, and the story come to life. Read the story. Experience the Bible. Welcome again to another edition of our pastoral-led Bible study. Uh, today, I'd like to just uh, take a moment and thank you for being able to join me as we take just a moment to be able to look back at Sunday's message and just dive in a little bit more deeply. Speaking of Sunday's message, I thought Pastor Mark did a fantastic job in being able to take a story that's probably familiar to most of us and be able to put maybe a little bit of a different perspective upon it. So in the time that we have today, I thought we could take that exact same element and go down that path a little bit um, further. You know, just let's explore a little bit more that theme. So I took some notes on Sunday, was trying to really think through Pastor Mark's message and what it means to me and how then you and I could take, uh, like I said, a moment today to be able to go into that a little bit more. So uh, the whole title of that message that common element of when to be able to speak up is really present there. Uh, and I love that. It's, it's so common in the story of Esther, this woman who really puts everything uh, aside in her life to be able to speak up and to be able to be this representative on behalf of the people, even at her own expense. Something that maybe we don't see so much in leadership in our world today. So much of a leadership really does seem to fall around what is in it for me, not what is in it for the people. And the story of Esther is so different. Now, Pastor Mark's spin was so great because a lot of us do think about that. You know, what do I need to speak up about in the world? Uh, I guarantee you, if you jump into the news today, you'll hear all different people talking about all the different things that they need to stand up for or that you need to be able to stand up for and why those are important. And we should be able to stand up for certain things and speak on behalf of uh, our Lord, be a representative for him, be able to share the words that he has given to us, we should also, at the exact same time, know when we should keep our mouths shut, as Pastor Mark put it. So today, let's look at just kind of three little sub-points from that message on Sunday and go into a little bit more uh, depth. The first one I want to look at when we talk about uh, keeping our mouth shut would be in matters of preference in matters of preference. The scripture passage that I have selected for this today comes from the book of Romans chapter 14, and we're gonna look at verses one through nine. Uh, if you wanna look along on your phone, or if you have a Bible, pull it out real quick. Again, Romans chapter 14, verses one through nine. I'm gonna read probably just a couple of them at a time. We'll talk about it and then move through. Uh, Beginning at verse 1, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One's person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another person's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat anything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. So when Paul is writing these words, he's writing basically to Jewish Christians in the city of Rome. 
There has obviously been some type of dispute among Christians. I know, imagine that. Who would think that could ever happen in the church? But we see that it happens even from the early days in Scripture. Christians that are going back and forth with one another saying, why are they following these these Old Testament laws or these Jewish rituals that were given to them? And obviously this one is about their diet, about the things that they eat. Are they allowed to eat meat? Should they eat only vegetables? And this becomes a big deal for the people. So much so they become uh, they become uh, in this state of bickering back and forth with one another. And Paul says, let's stop worrying about that. You know, you know, don't focus on that. If some of these people who are these Jewish Christians want to observe some of these laws that they were following, maybe that's more comfortable for them to be able to do. You know, it's okay. That's not something that uh, God says we have to do anymore, but it's not something that God says we, we cannot do. And so don't let this be an issue. This is a matter of preference. What do you want to eat? What do you not want to eat? Neither of these things are going to dictate your salvation. Neither one is going to get you into heaven or keep you out of heaven. Again, it's a matter of preference. What does this mean for us today? Well, maybe we think about something that's even more of a personal element to us, not just our diet, although we could argue about that in our world today. But what about our styles of worship? Maybe it's contemporary versus traditional. There are some people we could find in our world that would say, if you don't worship in a certain fashion, be it one or the other, you are not really worshiping. But is that the truth? No, it's a matter of preference. Maybe someone who likes to sit in a pew and see uh, an icon through stained glass and be able to hear and sing along with beautiful hymns finds that time of worship uh, in a way that they can focus more upon God and allow them to be able to cast aside distractions and be able to really listen and receive the word for the day. On the other hand, maybe there are some people who like something that's a little bit more energetic. Maybe somebody does want to be able to raise their hand in the air, not so that they are being seen, but so that they can glorify God. Is any one of those different uh, ways of worshiping better or worse than another? No, it's a matter of preference. And Paul says, put those things aside. Don't let those preferences come between us as Christians. He goes on uh, in verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another, considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Verse 5, something very similar as well. Uh, people were probably arguing over the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day uh, is very important. It's one of the Ten Commandments. God says to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. However, he doesn't tell us exactly uh, what day it is that we have to be able to worship in our society today. 
Obviously, even at this point in history, it seems that some people are saying the Sabbath day is the most important day of the week. You have to focus all of your time and energy and efforts on this day. And other people are probably saying, you know what? I do love the Sabbath day. I do love to be able to find rest in my Lord. But I want to be able to lift up every day in my life as being important to God. For God has gifted me every single day. Is one better or worse than another? No, it's important for us to be able to have a time of worship, to be able to have a time of rest, to be able to have the Sabbath. And it is equally important for us to realize that every day, and in fact, every minute and second of our lives, truly is a gift from God that he allows us to be able to worship him in, to be able to honor him and to be able to glorify him. This is a matter, again, of preference. Just because someone maybe in our world today worships on a Saturday evening or on a Wednesday night doesn't mean that their worship is any different than ours may be on a Sunday morning. They are still coming to meet with God. They are still honoring him. And this is something that we should do, all of us, every day of our lives, but not let it come between us as Christians. He continues on with verse 6. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Even uh, in our life or in our death, Paul says, uh, we don't do this for ourselves. Uh, this isn't something that we're doing to be able to glorify us. All of you should be able to be doing all of these things to the glory of God. So if you're eating vegetables today, or if you're eating meat, do so to the glory of God. If you're, if you're worshiping on uh, the Sabbath, or if you're worshiping God every single day, do so in glory to God, not in glory to yourself. Verse 8, if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we, we're united, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that we might be with the Lord, both for the dead and for the living. And this is something important for us to always know, uh, that the Lord is always there with us, honoring all of his people. Remember, if it's a, a matter of preference, it's something that maybe sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut about. This uh, reminds me of a scripture in uh, the book, of, I believe it's Matthew, in which uh, Jesus is meeting with his disciples and they come to him and they say, uh, teacher, we saw some people driving out demons in your, in your name. And we told them to stop because they were not one of us. And Jesus tells them, do not tell them to stop for they are driving out demons and doing the work of God in my name, in the name of the Messiah. The disciples are so worried that these people are not a part of them, that they shouldn't be doing God's work. But God says, if they're doing my work, if they're doing this in my name, if they're doing it for the right reason, then God will give them the ability to be able to do this. And we should respect that. Don't tell them to stop. In fact, uh, the title of that section, I believe, is whoever is uh, not against us is for us. And, you know, talking about this unity that we have as believers. Remember that. That's important for all of us. And not just on Sunday mornings, 
and not just for our congregation, but for the congregations that are around us. Uh, as Christians, we are all on the same team. Don't let matters of preference get in the way. All right, let's move to the second point. Uh, we should learn to be able to keep our mouths shut when you are angry. And some of you probably already know this, uh, but it's one I think for us to be reminded of at the same time. Let's look at Proverbs uh, 15, verse 1. A simple verse says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And uh, you and I really should heed some of these psalms and these proverbs, these wise sayings that we uh, get to be able to know the, the truth that somebody else has already figured out, that has already been given to them by the Lord and that God wishes to share with us. It is so easy in our anger to be able to speak out and to be able to lash out and to be able to say things that hurt others to be able to say things that we don't mean, to be able to say things that hurt ourselves or our own rep representation. Uh, maybe somebody uh, is saying something on behalf of the church and it's wounding what the church looks like in the eyes of others. It's so important uh, to make sure that when we are angry, we are keeping our mouth shut. In fact, uh, even in our world, maybe you've heard the principle before of halt that you shouldn't make any decisions, that you shouldn't really speak. You should halt if you're suffering from uh, one of these things. Uh, it's just an acronym, H-A-L-T. Uh, first one is uh, H for hungry. If you're hungry, I know this is super true for me. I need to make sure that I'm eating, uh, that I actually have enough calories in me, or I just, my brain does not function right. I get, I get frustrated. And uh, maybe we use that term hangry. It's just not good. So if you're hungry, uh, pause. Don't make any decisions. Don't be able to speak out. Number two, A, anger that we're talking about now, that you shouldn't be able to make decisions or be able to speak out if you're angry. Uh, L, uh, lonely. If you're all alone, if you're feeling depressed, not a good time to make decisions. And finally, uh, T, tired. Uh, if we're tired, we shouldn't be making decisions just because, again, our brain is not functioning correctly. It's not how God intended us to be able to work. He wants us to be able to get rest. He wants us to be renewed so that we're living out uh, his mission uh, to all of our capabilities. Uh, anger is a, is a tough one. You know, it's probably one of the only emotions that very few people, very few in the world can actually deal with appropriately. And very, very few can probably make uh, healthy decisions during uh, that use of anger. And anger comes out in a lot of different ways. It's not just being mad, it's even in our frustrations. You know, we gotta be careful with those frustrations that we are being quiet, that we're not speaking out against uh, people. Because when we make decisions when we're mad or frustrated, we give into sometimes the worst sides of ourselves, just these, these primal versions that uh, do not offer the best uh, verbiage or the best advice to others and certainly don't usually honor God in this. This isn't a, a righteous anger, anger that we talk about. It really is something that's from uh, our deepest inner uh, breakings of our heart uh, going against others. 
Here's another scripture verse uh, I uh, wrote down for today. My dear brothers and sisters, uh, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me read that one more time. You've heard it a million times, but it's so important. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that's exactly how we should be, you know, taking time to be able to think about what we're going to be able to say, taking time to not jump into frustration or anger. Most people around us and most situations around us are not trying to make us angry, are not trying to frustrate us, but it happens and it comes. And sometimes that anger is masked or it's hidden, but it's really important for us not to be able to succumb to it and not to, not to fall to it in any different way. Uh, I wrote down uh, this scripture passage uh, too. Actually, I think I'm going to save that for uh, the next point. No, that's a good one. It fits here. Let's look at this one too from Proverbs 10 verse uh, 14. The wise don't tell everything they know, but the foolish talk too much and are ruined. Uh, that's Proverbs 10, 14. The wise don't tell everything they know, but the foolish talk too much and are ruined. Uh, another heed for us to be able to make sure we're taking time maybe not to speak. And also from Proverbs 17, verse 28, I thought this one was uh, fantastic. Even a fool keeps silent and is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. <laughs> Hear that one more time. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And this leads us into our third and final point. Not just about being angry, but about uh, speaking to things that we do not know. Uh, we should probably keep our mouths shut when we are trying to be able to speak to something that we don't know anything about. When we don't know what you're talking about, keep your mouth shut. Uh, I have a friend who I love dearly, who has an opinion about everything, who thinks they know about every single element and they always let everybody know. And most of the time, I think they are completely wrong about the things that they're saying. But for some reason, this individual feels the need, and as I mentioned, I love them to death, to be able to speak to everything and to be able to have an opinion about everything. You know, often we do want our voices heard. Maybe we want to be the first person to be able to make an important point. But if we're making a point that is uh, fictional or that is incorrect, uh, something that we do not know about, we could be misleading other people around us. And in fact, as it mentions within our scripture, sometimes we just come out not looking intelligent. And it's not a good representation of who we are. And it's not a good representation for us as Christians either. Think about all the things that Jesus could have told people around him at any time. Remember, he has uh, such great knowledge, and often people refer to that in Scripture. They say that he teaches as one who has authority, not as their scribes and their Pharisees. Now, their scribes and their Pharisees weren't stupid individuals. They were well-informed. They knew uh, the Torah, the Scriptures, very, very well, many of them even memorizing the entire thing and being able to uh, breathe it, it every single moment of their lives. Yet, uh, Jesus, knowing even more than them, often takes time to be able to question people, not in a way that he's trying to trip them up, 
but in a way that he can listen to them and then respond. He's patient with people around them. He waits. He doesn't take his knowledge and show off with it. He doesn't take his intellect and use it as some major superpower to be able to crush the people around him. He simply treats others with respect, uh, doesn't act out in his anger, and he speaks to the things that he knows, even though he can speak to every single thing in the world and not stop at, at any point. Uh, maybe today we think about uh, <clears throat> looking in the, the media. Uh, how often do we see people jumping to conclusions because they want to be the first one to be able to respond or they're putting their own spin on something, maybe because they are uh, frustrated with it or maybe because it fits a, a certain narrative in a certain way. We really uh, need to make sure we don't do this as Christians. When there's something that we don't know about, it's okay to be able to admit that. Uh, I have another friend that I'm always so amazed uh, with her because she always takes time to be able to ask questions no matter what it's about. And she's not worried about somebody saying, man, you are dumb, you didn't know about that, or I can't believe you've never heard this before. She actually just wants to acquire knowledge, and so she asks questions. And you know what? It has uh, an element of allowing her to be able to gain further and further insight on certain things. Sometimes it's better for us to be able to question than it is for us to be able to speak. When I say question, again, do so in a respectful manner, so where we are trying to be able to learn. You know, uh, Today, let's just take a moment, I think, just to be able to review all three of those uh, times for us when it's best to probably keep silent in matters of preference when it comes to just certain things in the world that are referred to as uh, audiophora, that uh, scripture doesn't speak to or against in any way. We don't need to fight about those within the church, or within the world. Number two, when we're angry, and I know that's a tough one for a lot of us out there, but it's a good one for us to be able to work on and for us to be able to, to practice. Nothing good will come out of that anger. And finally, number three, uh, when it's something that we just don't know much about, it's probably better for us to keep our mouth shut or to be able to do some research about it or be able to ask somebody who truly is an expert or has some knowledge in that area or allow them to be able to speak to that. And all three of these things, we are actually able to be able to evangelize better to others, to be able to share with them more who Jesus is. And isn't that a huge calling for us as Christians, both today and as it was for people many, many centuries ago, just like the story of Esther that we looked at on Sunday, someone who is able to be able to take time to be able to be quiet when she needs to be quiet, someone who's able to speak up, when she needs to speak up, but someone who does so specifically for her people and more importantly, for her God. Let's close with that today. See if we can apply those three things in the next uh, couple months to be able to come. And let's just take a moment now to be able to pray that God will work through that process with us. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word today and how much it does intertwine and uh, show us of the things that we are called to be able to do as Christians and these basic instructions that you give to us for being able to live out a productive life here on earth. And again, as we heard in our word, uh, not just for ourselves, 
but most importantly for you. Uh, continue to be able to strengthen us, Lord, in our knowledge, uh, in our speaking capabilities, in our sharing capabilities, not for ourselves, but so that your word and your promise will be more well-known throughout the world. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining me today uh, for this uh, pastoral Bible study. If you did not hear the message from Sunday, uh, go back and check that out. It doesn't matter if you heard that first or hear that second. It's a great one that we have to be able to listen to and to be able to take time and hear God's word. One more uh, point within our lives today. Blessings on your week.